Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. I don't know if you've been around enough to hear that I used to be a youth pastor. And I loved working with teenagers so much that I've, I have a couple of them on my own already. So that's from Tyler's joke of him having children. So, um, but working with teenagers for really a couple, almost a couple decades. And I started out, we, my wife and I started in the early 90s. And really kind of the ladies in the early 90s, youth ministry was about big events. Everything had to have big in the name. I mean, literally, we had an event called the Big Barn Blowout, okay? How many bees do you need in that? And, and we would do big events, and the problem with the big events is you go, this is going to be a really, really, really big event, and then you have the big event, and then the next event has to be bigger and better than the last event, and so you end up competing with yourself. And so we ended up having such big events that we decided, you know what, big is not big enough. Big is not big enough. We're going to the extreme. And so we would have what was called Friday night extreme. Now, the problem with extreme is that you need to be extremer. I don't even know if that's a word. The following month. And I kept competing with myself. And see, we would do these events. You maybe seen these before. Like, you got these inflatable toys for big kids. And you got these sumo suits. And, and then even what we did is we, we got old wrecked cars. And we would get kids, teenagers, we'd give them sledgehammers. And they could go in a parking lot. Does this sound fun to some of you guys? And, and, and they could, sle- you know, sledgehammer cars. And, you know, make sure you got the right car, okay? That, that's always dangerous when you do that. And, and so I'm thinking about looking back and, like, we really promoted juvenile delinquency is what we did. Here, kids, you learn how to smash cars. That's a great skill to learn, Right? What were you thinking? Now, it, you think that was bad. Again, I tried to do something bigger, more extreme each month. To finally do it, I got to a place that, to, to go put all our stops. And we say, you guys don't want to miss this. You guys don't want to come. You got to be there Friday night. You got to be there. Because you know what we're going to have in the church? Reptiles. What? You're thinking, what? No, seriously, I did this. Seriously. We brought snapping turtles. We had a small little alligator. We had a king cobra snake. Now, they had handlers and the whole bed. It was safe. But I don't remember kids spilling out release forms for any of this stuff. I mean, it was just happening. And so all these kids were in this big crowd of kids. And they, this cobra come on, 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 comes out. I'm like, oh, this is kind of creepy. Hair on your hand. You know, you're, you know, it's like, oh, oh. And then... The crowd's kind of, you know, they're getting in there like, wow, we got these snakes and turtles and all this going on. And then the, the, the guy up front starts going, where's Dan at? We need Dan to come to the front. Well, Dan is hiding in the crowd. Dan doesn't want to come forward at all. And so we need him to come forward. How many of you want to see your youth pastor wrapped in a 25-foot albino Python. Come on, yeah! And so they start chanting, PD Mac, PD Mac. 
that was my nickname back then. And, and, and finally, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I don't remember signing this in the contract. This is not negotiated, you know. And so I had, to, I was compelled to come forward. So I get up there and this guy begins to rap this 25 foot white snake. It's about that thick all around my body. And if you ever felt like in the squeeze and feeling like, you know, your life sucked out of you, literally. And so I'm just, my heart is just pounding out of my chest and I'm smiling. Isn't this cool? Isn't this awesome? I'm like, no, it's not. And then he leans over to me and he says this, he goes, you need to, call, you need to slow your heartbeat down a little bit because it, the, the snake senses your fear. <laughs> How do I do that? Slow my, take deep breaths, okay. And I just felt the squeeze upon me. And at that moment, at that moment, I go, you know what? We have taken this whole big extreme event way too far, <laughs> right? We've gone way too far. This is over the top, okay? That was probably one of the last events we did like that, okay? And I, I think it, of all of us, I think at times where you realize crossing over from bigger to better didn't happen. What was bigger was not better. And I think it's true in our life. We get so hooked on the bigger and the better. We do this all the time. We do this in the bigger houses, higher salaries, larger screens, greater followers on social media. Listen, big is not bad, but it doesn't mean it's always better. Big, gigantic, impressive, it's, it's, a, it's alluring, but it's, not, it's kind of elusive. Because what's really big? What's really better? Well, whatever is the next thing, right? The next thing we want to do. So we can find ourselves thinking not bigger or better is, is enough. In fact, we can see ourselves as not bigger or better enough. Now, let me ask this question. Are you feeling small and insignificant in the big world you live in? Don't, don't you feel like sometimes you're just a number? Sometimes you're just getting in a line. Sometimes you're just like, man, I just kind of feel lost in this big world, whether it's at school or at work or even at times we come to church, even times when we're in our own house, where no one really is noticing, no one's really, really wanting to know who we really are. Do I really matter? I think we can ask that at 16, and I think we can ask that at 60 at times in our life, in seasons of life, isn't it? True, for, I think, for all of us at moments. See, if you ever felt like that, I want to encourage you, encourage you in this truth, small does not mean insignificant with God. Just the opposite. It's all about, as we, we heard here a moment, it's about his kingdom. How big and vast his kingdom, but yet how significant we are a part of his kingdom. We're doing this series, Kingdom Come. And we're really kind of the underlining all is how do we live in that kingdom? How do we have kingdom living? And this thought is this, is that we, we're in the, we live under the rule and reign of God in our everyday life. That's really our goal with this. How do I live in God's kingdom in the everyday? Where it really matters, where it really counts. Well, the answer to that is actually small. The answer is literally small. And small, what we look in, and we find in, in, with God and we look in scripture and in the Bible is that small is, is not only just maybe better or is, is actually greater. And Jesus is the one that points this out all through the gospels. He points out, what small is he? He talks about small people. He tells of, of his kingdom. He says, I tell you the truth. Unless you become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. You have to be like a kid. Doesn't mean you be kiddish. Meaning me like, you know, childish. 
We got enough immaturity out there, but be like a child in the innocence and the openness and the trusting of what God is doing in and through your life. The other small in God's kingdom is small groups. He says this, for two or three are gathered in my name, I'm with you. And I love what Tyler said last week, that meaningful, significant moments don't just happen on a Sunday morning. They happen all through our week, and it's called small groups. And small groups are one of those moments that we have. And I love our small group last Thursday. I'm going to brag about our group. And we, there was a few people missing, and so we ended up having just dinner together. And we sat around the table telling stories that it was just so good. It was so enriching. We had some great food, food great conversation. I tell you, it was a significant time that we all look back upon and we talk about. It's about authentic Christian community. And if you don't have that for you, I'll tell you what, there's always a place for you. There's always a seat at the table. There's always a place to be a part of a, of a circle of a group. And we'd love for you to get involved. Our Care and Connection team would love to get you to find a group. There's groups almost that meet every day of the week. So there's small groups or small people. But there's also, Jesus talks about small seeds. And I actually, we're going to focus on small seeds this morning. In fact, Jesus picks the tiniest thing he could find as he's, he's moving around and, and, and dis showing the kingdom of God to his followers. But what we're finding has so much power and so much potential. And so these parables, the kingdom of God is like. Tyler mentioned last week that the kingdom of God is like a treasure, a man who finds a pearl and then loses and trying to find it again. That little small, we're gonna, today we're going to talk about something small as the small seed. And it's this, and, and you kind of just picture Jesus going with his disciples along the shores of Galilee. And he says these words, he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a, a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and its birds come and make nests in its branches. Again, Jesus picks the smallest example, the most extreme example, something that, that, that identifies the smallest element of anything, this little seed that they could see, and it grows in this huge mustard bush and maybe consider it a tree back in, you go to, you go to Israel, there's not trees like we have, so they call everything really big a tree. And, but it grow, it would grow up to 10 feet tall. It would grow up to 10 feet tall. <laughs> the cool reality of this is, of, of, of seeds I love is this, is that seeds are so cool because they, they have everything of the DNA for the potential of growth. If as long as it's just in the right environment, it has everything. Has everything it needs for potential of growth. Well, guess what? You and I are the same. We have everything we need that God's given us for potential. We are packed with potential, like a seed. We are packed with potential. And could you? I think we need to turn to one another. Can you say to your person next to you, "You are packed with potential." Can you say that? Go on, wake up. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know I was. Yes, you are. You are packed with potential. Text it to a friend right now. You're packed with the potential. And, and specifically, it was this. To God, you know, small is big. Specifically, I, I, I really think this is what we want to focus on today. Jesus loves small because it's where he does his biggest kingdom work. Jesus loves small. He loves it because there's so much potential that can happen. See, Jesus, as much as he's all God, really is not 
too partial to big egos and big people, big things. Well, it's big, go, good for you, do it. But he loves, loves small. And it's so cool to think about his kingdom that way. His point is that the power potential is in the smallest of things, and specifically the small seeds. You know where he goes to? It's, it's linked to our faith. So you jump a few chapters later in Matthew 17 of this tiniest mustard seed. He talks about that as our faith. That is connected with our faith. He says this, because you have so little faith. He says this, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. I love this. Nothing will be impossible for you. Oh, that's pretty intense. That's actually a bit confusing and intimidating, actually. Really? If I, I, you're saying if we pray and we ask that we can move mountains? I mean, does that mean that we all need to turn toward Mount Baker right now and we, we just face this way and we put our hands out like the force in Star Wars and we say together, move, Mount Baker? Should we stand up and do that? No. Weirdo. We're not going to do that kind of thing. We're not that church, okay? You can go down. No, there's no, I don't know where they do that there, but you can... I think on TV or something probably. But don't do that, okay? That's not what he's talking about. Jesus speaks as this figure of language. You gotta know this, this figure of language is, is hyperbole. He's doing extremes, right? And there's extremes. Like times he says, you know, gotta hate your mother and father. Well, that doesn't sound. No, it's extreme to really love him. So he says, man, the tiniest to the greatest thing. He's taking the tiniest little seed and he's saying there's a mountain. That's what he's trying to show us, but it is so powerful, and it's all tied to our faith, the smallest amount of faith that we have, that God says, Jesus goes, I can use that. I can do something with that. That's awesome, because in faith is where we please him, and in that, Jesus takes this ridiculous example of the potential that's so small, and how big his kingdom can be, and, and his rule and reign in our every day life. But let me ask you, are you motivated for that? Are you motivated for that? Are you motivated toward seeing God do great things? So here's some questions I have for you. And maybe you can put your hand up after. Do you, do you want to do something great for God? How many would say you want to do something great for God? Okay, that's awesome. Not everybody. Okay. Do you want to use your, your life in significant ways? I want to use my life in significant ways. Again, not everybody, okay. Um, do you want, I'm just, you're like, uh, that's okay. You don't want to raise your hand. Do you want his kingdom to be fulfilled through you and to make a bigger difference in your life? Come on, how many would do that? Two hands up on that, okay. We want that. We want that. Of course we do. Well, are you willing to go there? Are you willing to take the smallest of faith that God has in you that's packed with potential? If you are, here, here's some things to think about. First is this, big faith begins with small starts. Big faith start, it begins with small starts. Think about all the very successful companies in the world. They all had on movements that took place and, and change that took place and endeavors that took place all had little small starts. Think of this. There was a, a geeky college guy. He's, he's a computer geek. And he goes, man, how can my geeky friends and I uh, get dates uh, with college girls. Thus, Facebook started. Okay? That's how Facebook started. You guys know that story. Civil rights movement. How did, what was the spark in the early 60s? It was one woman named Rosa Parks willing to say, you know what? I'm not moving to the back of the bus. Thank you very much. 
it was 12 men minus one dude who saw their hero and, and leader rose from the dead and changed millions. Fast forward 2,000 years later, about a time about 1988, in a little church in Laurel, Washington, about 50 people actually, decided to change their name to Christ the King Community Church. Now it's become a worldwide, literally a movement. There's CTK churches all over the world in Africa and Philippines and Afghanistan. Can you believe that? Or Pakistan, sorry. Can you believe that? We're, we're part of something great. And guess what? Fast forward 30 years later, 2018, guess what's happening? There are a group of 50 people that are going to assemble and hopefully even more to be a part of CTK Blaine. We are part of a, we're part of a movement that's happening. And it all starts small. Small starts started somewhere. Small starts started somewhere. And here's the thing to keep about, this is so important to think in a practical way. Small starts doesn't mean you start perfect. Small starts doesn't mean you start successful. Think about this. If you tried something for the very first time and you nailed it, and, and your, your first attempt was the best attempt you ever have, I encourage you to move on to something else. Because if that's where you're at, you're all downhill from there. <laughs> so you got there and that's the best, I'll tell you what, and you're not getting there, you might want to move on to thinking, listen, it, it starts, it starts small. And, and you got to understand that God does not have us on a performance track. He doesn't look at how perfect we are and what we do. He wants partnership with us. So it's small, it's tiny, it's little that he wants to do something massive and great. If you're wondering where to start, know this, tomorrow, or let's say someday is not on your calendar, okay? Someday is not there. Today is that day. And Jesus is not perfect, but obedient. I love what the Bible says of this and challenges us. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I, and I I thought about and reflected on this, though. The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Think about that a little bit. When you start something new, when you step out in faith, guess what happens? God's going, that's awesome. Way to go. Way to and it's all the first ones, I mean, he's, he's, he's applauding. Like, it wasn't very good. It wasn't very good effort. And you, minor, you don't remember when you were a kid, but you might remember when, when your kids were little and they took the very first steps. Did you, did you watch your kids? They weren't very good. They, they tripped, they fell, and like, what do we do when they took the first steps? We clapped and everything. Listen, when I came in today, I was walking normal. I didn't trip or anything. No one clapped for me, right? No, but you know what I mean? Like, no, don't clap. No, 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 no. No, 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 I will not be wrapped in snakes, okay? Um, but no, why? Because it's ordinary. We're good. You don't, you don't have any, a lot of faith. But I tell you, when you step out in faith in new things, God's going, yay, my kid, you're doing it. You're awesome. You're incredible because you're falling. You're stepping into the unknown. That's, but it's small. It's little. Yeah, that's the point. Jesus can do big, big, big things through us when we take those small steps. So whatever that might be for you, what is it? You know, the partnership, the rejoice with you, you know, building your building your education, your career, your ministry, your business, your marriage. Don't despise the small, humble, and seemingly insignificant beginnings. It's so important. But fa big faith starts with small starts. But know this, small faith can only grow big in the right conditions over time. Small faith has to be in the right conditions. Again, that little seed, little, you know, think of a little seed that's packed with potential. 
So much is there, but it has to be in the right environment for anything to happen and for it to take place. And so I've kind of used this thought before. So if you heard it before, it's almost I say it every spring is this, is, you know, imagine you're wanting to plant a garden. We're getting kind of the season. We're getting everything, the hose ready to go and, and your, your, your soil's ready to go. And you're going, I got to get, I'm going to plant. I can't wait because that's going to be farm. It's going to be farm to table in my own backyard. I am going to get some seeds. So you go down to the hardware store and get some seeds and you got them and, and then, Four months later, four months later, you look out and you're going to your backyard and like, it's just dirt. There's nothing. I can't believe it. There's nothing growing. You're so frustrated and you're so mad and like, what's the deal? Why is nothing happening? And, and then you realize something. You never actually took the seeds out of the package and planted them. Now, you're going, that's silly. Yeah, but think about this for your own faith. How many of us, we know it's all Jesus. We know he saved our soul. And we celebrate and we sing that all he has done. We sang that today. But what have we done with what he's given us? We're no different than those seeds in the package. We got all this potential, but we're not in the right environment for growth. We're not doing anything with it. The Bible says this. It says that, that uh, what God has put in us, so to will and act according to his good purpose, his own salvation, we supposed to approach it with fear and trembling, the Bible says. Our salvation, we work it out with fear and trembling. What that means is not in fear, but we're putting effort toward it. That's the, that's the work that he wants us to do. Let me ask, what is the condition of the soil of your soul? What is that? As seeds need enough sunlight and water and food, our faith needs to be in the right environment as well. And Jesus makes it so clear in another passage earlier in, in Matthew 13, before the, the parable of the, the mustard seed, he talks about the parable of the farmer and the, and the, sowing the seed in the, in the good soil or the bad soil. That it's understanding, you see, a farmer sows the seed is like the kingdom of God, where God's truth finds germination in the hearts of people. And so the farmer scattered seed, some came along the path, and, and what happened there? It got trampled on. People walked over it. never had a time to germinate. And I think for all of us, what, at times where God seeds in us, and it gets trampled because our busyness and everything that we're doing, we don't allow time for germination in our own souls. How important is getting God's word every day to grow, see nourishment happen? Seeds scattered along the rocky soil. What happens there? Again, there was no roots, and so they'd come up, they'd kind of rise up, but the scorching sun would come down, and it, it, it wouldn't last because it didn't have the roots it needed to grow. And those, those things, a scorch of problems and trials and, and issues that come, it just won't make it. And then there's the seeds among the thorns. You could say the weeds. And if you ever have a garden, you actually planted things, and it grows, and if you don't weed the garden, guess what? The weeds, have you had the weeds bigger than what you planted? And they take all the nourishment and all the water, and so they suck away, and they pull away from that. What's, what are the weeds in your life? What's the clutter in your life? And more than that, Jesus specifically talks about what clutters our life is worry. I don't know about you. Sometimes my, my prayer life turns into a worry life. And I just go, on, oh, Lord, I got I to gotta focus back on that. You're the one. You're the one that does the work. I turn to you. And the other thing is, is the, finally, it's the good soil. And that's where it finds germination. It leads to massive fruit. But what it takes is our seed of our, our, our faith has to be in the right environment and hard work and attention that go in it. Again, we're not earning our life towards salvation in favor of God. We already got that. But if we want to grow and, and grow in our faith and our lives to make a difference, it takes effort. I love 
I think it's what John Maxwell said this. He said, small things done over a long period of time create the greatest impact on our lives. It's really true. Small things, little deliberate steps we take. And I think the key is consistency. Are we being consistent? A little bit here. You don't want to drown your new little plant in water and then that's good for the month. No, a little bit each day. It's the same with our own souls, a watering and nourishment each day. And then here's the thing, in our right environment, we can't do it alone. Just like I shared this week in our small group, it was so nourishing as we spent time telling stories and and time together. We grew together in connection and closeness that we needed. It was really what I love, what the Bible says in Romans 1.12, what Paul says, says this, I love this. He says, I mean, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith, your faith helps me and my faith helps you. And it's working together and we grow together. And having and nurturing a a wonderful environment for growth. Now, here's the thing, though. I'm going to mess you up. All that's important and the, you know, growth and environment, everything is taken care of. But before you actually get to that, before you want life and a flourished life, you know what Jesus tells us to get to that life? Uh, You got to (laughs) die. Your path of big faith, kingdom faith is actually death. And you're looking at this like, What? Well, if you don't believe me, this is what Jesus says. He says, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it only remains a seed, single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. It produces much abundance, but it has to die. And Jesus, you need to know specifically, he's talking about the context of his own death. He's talking about that he must die so that that it will bring salvation to all mankind and flourish. And we're beneficiaries of that today. But you could really apply it to our own life. If we want to live in the kingdom, if we want to have kingdom living, if we want a flourishing life, there's a death process we go through. One of the things in scripture I don't like, I don't know if you, I'll just be honest with you, there's certain things in the Bible I don't like because I got to do something with it. And one of those lines is, Dying to yourself. I don't really like that. <laughs> I don't know about you. The reason I don't like that is because it's a continual process at times and continual seasons. I got to die to myself. I got to die to myself. I got to die myself. It's just a process that we go through. It's hard. It's, it's, sometimes it's drudgery, but it has a place for it. But what does dying to yourself really mean? Well, I just got to die to myself. What, is that? what are we saying when we do that? Well, it's, it's dying to our ways. It's dying to our agenda. It's dying to our ego and our preferences. It's, it's really practical on a daily basis for our life. See, before Jesus, you and I were all just, you know, dead little seeds. And then Jesus comes along and he offers this life. He offers this potential and he speaks in our life and he calls us forth and he calls us by name. He says, I've got a life for you. I've got a life of abundance. I've got so much for you that I want to accomplish. But before you get there, before you experience the abundance, you got to die. Now, that's a tough sell when you're a little seed. <laughs> that's a tough seed. Can you picture with me that little seed? Hey, little seed, you want to know something really cool? You want, you want to experience incredible, incredible potential? One day, you can be this huge, massive fruit tree, big branches full of green leaves, sweet, delicious fruit growing and hanging down the branches, and people can come along and picnic under you as a shelter, and you could have a tire swing, and you could have so much about being this massive tree that provides for everyone, and everyone looks up to you, this great tree. Does that sound wonderful? Yeah, the little seed says. Well, little seed, you have to die. 
Not fun for the little seed, right? You have to be buried, you have to put in the dirt, and you have to die. Not looking fun, not very exciting. And I think for our lives as well, as a little seed, it takes and requires risk and an amount of faith that there's this death process we have to go through. But what does that look like for us? Well, anytime you start out something new, it's a huge risk. We take that step. It's a huge risk. What are we risking? I mean, really, what are we risking? Everything. Everything. It's all, all that Jesus done. He's done everything. What do we need to do? We need to give everything back to him. And what that means to step out on the unknown is this. What if my life is worse than it was now? That's a risk. What if people don't like it? What if people, my friends don't like, my family doesn't like? What if I get rejected? What if I get abandoned? What if I step out on a thing and everybody misunderstands me and what I'm doing? What if I do? What if I this? And what if that? And we have this what if risk that takes place. But if we're hearing God and God is bringing confirmation and showing us that the risk is our lives, but there's this death process that we go through. We're leaving what we know to the unknown. We know, though, and within us, remember, we're packed with potential. Within our DNA, there's something hidden that comes alive and in time, but there's a death process that happens. Jesus says of us this way, anyone who wants to love their life will lose it. Well, anyone hates their life in this world will keep from, be kept from eternal life. Again, hyperbole, hate my life. I mean, you know, every teenager in the world said that. I just hate my life, right? Well, you don't really hate your life. What you're saying is you don't like life right now. And, but what Jesus is saying, it's not like we hate our lives like we're going to kill ourselves. What he's saying is your, your life that you have, the life that you think you want, and the life that you think for yourself needs to die so that you experience the life I have for you. It's the process. Why do we have to do that? Because you cannot have a resurrection without a burial. There's no life, new life in Christ until you die to yourself. And it's so counterintuitive. To save our lives or lose it? To lose my life to say it? Yes. Well, we've got to convince of this. So how to step forward is this. We've got to convince that our goals, our dreams, our possessions, what we accumulate, our ideals, our beliefs are not, are, are, are we willing to sacrifice that for the greater? Well, a reminder again, we're filled with potential, but the potential has to go through a death process. And specifically, you know what this is? To get to where we need to do is this. Brokenness is the pathway to abundance. How does this actually happen? Brokenness is the pathway of abundance. Being broken either by choice or what's happened to us. And I would say majority of the true brokenness that most of us experience, it happened not because of what we did. Because I don't know about you, I don't choose brokenness. I don't wake up in the morning going, you know what? I hope my life all falls apart today. That would be awesome. No. We don't do that, do we? We go, wow, this is coming at me. This is, this is something I've got to deal with. You know, for our lives, it's many ways, for all kinds of things. I know, looking back, I, uh, last night I got to share this credible men's rally. And, was, and, and my friend wanted me to talk about a broken moment in my life when life kind of blew up. And it was like about 11 years ago, actually. That my church that I was a part of, I was a, I was a youth pastor. Part. In fact, the church where I had the reptiles in, 
uh, the church let me go. Now, it wasn't because of the reptiles and the snakes. That could have been a good reason. But because of the finances of the church, they had to let go of our staff that was there. Many, multiple people got got eliminated, and I was one of them. And not only that, that was asked to step down in my position. Actually, they, they asked uh, my, my family and I to step away from the church. And that was really hard because they, they said, this is going to be really painful for, the, for those left and people in yourself. It would be best for you to step away. What we left was not just a job. We left our church, our, our, my, our kids' friends, everything. It just wasn't the same again. And, and, and there's a feeling of abandonment. There's a feeling of rejection comes. And it's, there's this, this brokenness, and, and it happened. And it was a humbling time. And, and the Lord allowed me to work with special needs kids. And God taught me so much out of it. And, but it was in a broken place. I finally got, uh, if I never pastor again, I won't pastor again. And, and Lord, I'm just committed. I want to love you and, and whatever you have. And it was a time for my life. And I can look back now, now almost 10 years later, this June is 10 years to be the pastor of this church. I started as the interim pastor and have it left. And so uh, here I are. It's hard, hard to believe, huh? Um, but, and I would say the, the accomplishment is not only just to stay and be here, that's a big one, but but also is the many, many lives. And many of us have been apart. You've been around longer in 10 years and you've seen so many lives. So the brokenness and the pain that we go through, many lives have been changed. And it's only God's grace that's happened and see so many touched that we're a part of. And, so, and it's so amazing. But there's been more death processes along the way here we're a part of. And same for you. Same for you, it, whether it's a job loss, whether it's an illness, whether it's something that's hanging, problems and issues that you have, it's been a death process for you. Can I encourage you in the brokenness, don't be a victim. Don't be a victim. It's so easy to blame everybody and everything. There's a whole market out there that'll help you get over and cope whatever your, your victimness is and it, it just enables you to say, Lord, I'm going through, I'm going through. God, you're teaching me. You're teaching me a place of brokenness. I want to move forward in faith to what you have. But it's in the brokenness and the humility is where God does his greatest work. Remember, Jesus loves small because that's where he does his biggest kingdom work. And so when you're feeling small, you're feeling insignificant in your life. And what really the broken place we're at and we just depend upon God, God's going, that's it. That's where I want you to be. In order to step in his life, we were created to take this, this step that steps into a place of dying to ourselves. So here's the question. How long are you going to be content just to live the way you're living as a seed? How long are you going to just hang in there to what you have? Where comes the place where you make some choices along the lines, says that, that I am going to go through this process. But I tell you, this death and this brokenness, it leads to abundance in life. And I love the promises when that happens, when that takes place. Scripture says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation and has come. The new creation has come. The old is gone and the new has come. And the Greek, that word new, you know what it doesn't mean? It doesn't mean remodel, rebuild, or refurbished. No, it means brand spanking new creations in Christ. God wants to do a, a brand new work in us. And we might feel a broken, broken seed that's just falling apart. What happens out of this is much abundance comes in our life. There's so much potential. It's so little, but so much potential that can happen. But make sure you know this, you be reminded of this, that abundance doesn't mean something we obtain. It's an attitude that we live. Abundance is not something we obtain, it's an attitude we live, meaning this, that just because we got all our life together and this we go through, oh, now we're getting, 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 getting. No, no, no. It, it might not be the fruit that you think you should, you should have or even deserve, because we don't deserve any of it. 
But we go, wow, God, look what you're doing in so many lives around me. Maybe I'm not benefiting from it, but look at all the work and all the things that God, you, you, you have done and accomplished. It really is an added to the mind that we live with a God of abundance. And where there's lack, he'll, he'll meet the need. Where there's, there's a death, there's going to be a life. Where we're feeling like we're at a dead end, there's hope available. He owns it all and it's all in control as we follow him in the process. I invite our team to come as we close this morning. Where do we start with all of it? Well, we start small. Faith is a mustard seed. That's all we need. Jesus says, I just need a little. Just give me a little. I can do a whole lot. We don't need big extreme events. We don't, no reptiles are required anymore for this, right? The, the, it's just the small step. And so here's the question as we, as we pray. What is the one small step that will lead to a bigger faith potential in your life? What is that? Seriously, ask yourself that question today. And if you don't know the answer, I want to pray with you today. The Lord would reveal that. And here's the, here's the thing. I don't know if he will today, but what if you pray tomorrow? For this week, God, what is that small step you want me to take? And what is that step? It's a big, it's a big step in some ways. It feels big, but it's, it's one step. Just like a baby taking a step, that huge step that's there. What is that baby step for you? It's not a lion. It's not a, it's not a, it's not this giant leap of all mankind. It's this one step that we take. What is it for you? Is it for your life? An opportunity that you haven't responded to that you know God's prompting? A serving opportunity, a join a group, lead a group, me, lead a group. Yeah, you possibly could lead a group. You're faced with an issue. You're faced with a person that you got to confront and talk to. Oh, man. Maybe even deeper, there's a person that you need to forgive. In fact, you need to go to them and, and say, I forgive you. Because they, they, they know and you know clearly how they wronged you. Maybe it's for you, even a bigger step is that you need to go to them and, and ask for their forgiveness, what you've done to them. Whatever it might be, it's, it's for us to bust out of our little, small, little shell and in the midst of brokenness and humility, say, God, have your way, work your way and your spirit in my life and the amazing ways that you want to do that. Not focus on the past, not look at the resources we don't have. Don't make any more excuses saying, God, I take this step. I know, Lord, I have everything I need. The very DNA of my life, I have. You've given me. I step forward in faith. God has planted a seed in you, the tiniest of faith. And he so desires to do his kingdom work, his greatest work. We're willing to take that step. Will you pray with me? Right now, I have a feeling that the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you. And the reason he is, is because you're willing to say, Lord, speak to me. So I encourage you this moment, Lord, just ask, ask him to speak to you. Ask him to reveal. Lord, what is it? What is that one step you want me to take today? Lord, what is that one step, small step you want me to take this week so I can see greater potential of my life? I just really sense and want to pray for people that are in a place of brokenness right now. Maybe it is a job loss. And I could have went further with that because it maybe job loss is only the, the surface of much hurt in your life. It might have been pain and abuse, neglect. There, there's so many broken times that have happened in our life. 
that God not only wants to bring healing, he actually, actually wants to use it to redeem. He wants to use it as this kind of fertilizer for your growth. He wants to take whatever that crud that you went through and recycle it and redeem it and so that you can grow through it. But it's a process that you got to go through. So your first step today might be just going to the Lord and say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, take me through this, Lord. I, I want courage, Lord, your spirit can give me to take the steps I need to make amends with relationships, to, to forgive, to be able to move on. Lord, there's some here today, God, that are going to take some steps of courage in stepping out of their shell and, and actually be motivated to do something great for your kingdom. But, it, but it's going to be one small step. They got a dream. They got a, they got a desire. But it's going to require them to step out, Lord. Will you speak specifically of what that is? But also, Lord, will you give them the courage this week to actually do it? Lord, it, it means a, it's a hill of beans of nothing, Lord. If we don't do anything with what we learned and been challenged with this morning, Lord, may we all take that next step. The neighbor across the street, the, the coworker, whatever it might be, Lord God, prompt us to step out in you. God, if there's some here today that they're in a place of brokenness and pain, they're gonna still be in the brokenness of pain without you. And they just want you, Jesus, to come in, be their Lord, be their Savior. And if you're in that place this morning, just reach out to Jesus. Say, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. Take my brokenness, take my pain. I admit it to you. Lord, do great things through my heart. Save my soul, heal my life, that I be on your path toward greatness and the greater potential I have for my life and for eternity. God, go with us now. Lord, we want your blessing so that we can receive it all so we can give it all away for your kingdom come and your will be done we pray in Jesus name